You're listening to the Ending Human Trafficking Podcast. This is episode number 136, We Can Coalition. Produced by Innovate Learning, maximizing human potential. Welcome to the Ending Human Trafficking Podcast. My name is Dave Stahoviak. And my name is Sandy Morgan. And this is the show where we empower you to study the issues, be a voice, and make a difference in ending human trafficking. Sandy, uh, one of the big things we do on the show, of course, is study the issues so that we can be a voice and make a difference. And uh, one of the real blessings I've had of uh, hosting the show over the years with you, and I was talking about this with uh, uh, with Derek, our, our most recent guest, that um, I've learned so much from this show that I didn't know before. And I was thinking about that today because uh, when I was thinking about the Weekend Coalition, I realized I know nothing about this. And so I'm really looking forward to learning about uh, what it is and how it uh, contributes. It's part of the the uh, appeal of the show because there is such a an energy when when we share information and we're both in a learning mode. And part of what we're going to do today, you're the expert. So let me start by saying um, January is National Human Trafficking and Slavery prevention month. So we do need to focus on how can we do a better job at prevention? It sounds really uh, momentous and many times uh, people want to do prevention and what they really do is an awareness campaign and we want to go a little deeper. So I am excited to introduce the We Can Coalition right here in Orange County. Oh, very good. So uh, how does it fit in with what the Global Center for Women and Justice is doing? And, and also, what is it? Well, I was invited to be part of the initial um, community-based response and organization. And their mission is to prevent child abuse and neglect and strengthen the health and well-being of children, families, and communities. And their vision is that all Orange County children are raised in a safe and nurturing environment. We Can stands for Working to End Child Abuse and Neglect. Working to End Child Abuse and Neglect. And in our work, so many times we point to the fact that many of the victims of commercial sexual exploitation of children, of CSEC, have been in situations where they have not been safe, where they have been abused and neglected, Um, They may run away from that abuse. They may be taken out of their homes because of the abuse. And then that increases their risk for being exploited, for being recruited by a trafficker. And so for those of you who are thinking, what can I really do to be part of the solution? I think that this model of the We Can Coalition is something that is replicatable across the nation. My um, when I when I was invited to participate in the initial uh, meeting, it seemed a little bit overwhelming because there are nine different committees, kind of task force committees, and they started though with a look at policy and children's health by preventing abuse and neglect, and the 
2015, The Future of Children Spring Brief, talked a lot about funding to support children who've been removed from their homes and the fact that when we are um, able to identify and intervene when there's abuse and neglect, we have better success for children's health, and yet funding has tapered off. Sandy, um, who is the the entity or the organization behind the Weekend Coalition? Is it a group of 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 organizations coming together like the Human Trafficking Task Force, um, just with a slightly different focus, or is there a a group of people or an entity behind this? Well, Dr. Ann Light is is the real energy behind this. She spoke at Ensure Justice last year, and so the it really comes out of our child. Um, welfare approach in Orange County. And it my involvement really doesn't have nearly as much to do with, oh, this is a part of the Orange County Human Trafficking Task Force. It's because these things are connected. And so it's, it's standalone. It's not part of our anti-human trafficking program. Makes sense. So what, what I, I was particularly excited about was the breadth of this. And so I'm, I'm, um, I'm going to mention um, the kinds of the presence of, of um, leaders and directors. We have pediatrics, um, healthcare agency, juvenile court, Department of Education, the um, Children and Families Commission, Department of Community Benefit, social service agencies, and a consortium of child abuse and neglect physicians. So the the focus is not on human trafficking, but when you and I are looking at ending human trafficking, and we look at the three Ps of prevention, protection, and prosecution, I've often said to the community, we are more likely to fit in the prevention column than we are to be able to deliver aftercare services protection or to prosecute a case. So this is a way for us to begin to look at how do we plug in in real prevention. Well, as we've talked about so many times on the show that all of these things relate, that uh, just like we've done shows before on uh, homelessness and the economic impacts and all the things that there's all, they're all contributing factors to this issue. And so, uh, the more we can work together with that fourth P in partnership, which also is right. one of the great things that the center does so well, um, it it really helps uh, us to end this issue for all of us. And the the We Can Coalition structure is a little bit complicated. The uh, idea is that there are going to be task forces, and we've already been um, functioning now for one year, and those committee task forces meet every one or two months. They're all meeting, um, representing their field of expertise. They're all volunteers in this and creating strategies to address our mission and our goal. So the, um, the first set of of task forces are really responsible for diagnosing the child abuse and neglect in our county and and really doing an evaluation. So there are three parts in that group, individual, family, and community. Then there's a, a, a group that their focus is treatment and 
trying to figure out again at an individual, a family, and a community level. And then my um, uh, task force is on prevention, and there are three committees individual, family, and community. You were probably expecting that. Yeah, indeed. So there's some there's some symmetry in this. So that way we'll be able to take our, our blocks and, and they'll match when we put them together and they'll have a lot greater strength. Now, the community um, prevention committee that I'm in with is their, their task is to identify communities and micro communities with high levels of abuse and the development and refinement of high-level resources, education, and referrals for all community members. When we first sat around the table, that was such a huge assignment. I mean, if you think about um, looking at high-level resources, education, and referrals for all community members, you could spend days, weeks um, trying to fulfill that assignment. So our first job was to gather a lot of brainstorming data and then refine that and find a way to focus on a strategy that would actually fulfill our task. And one of the tools that they gave all of our committees was a, um, a direction to use the four components of effective collective impact model. And Dave, with your leadership capacity, and uh, I, I love listening to coaching for leaders, although I'm way behind. So I'm going to use the holiday break to catch up. I'm always behind on podcasts myself. So okay, <laughs> I, I can relate. Well, this the idea of working together in collectives um, is very appealing, and I watched um, now because I've been so involved in collaborations across di- different disciplines. Um, but one of the aspects of of building those collectives is relationship building, mm. and the um, I think one of the things from reading um, an article by Dan Duncan, a senior consultant for Results Results Leadership Group. I was really drawn to this statement. Organizations do not collaborate. People do based on common purpose, relationships, and trust. Indeed. And every organization is really just a collection of people who are working towards a common goal, or at least ideally working towards a common goal. And so it is easy sometimes to forget that uh, that we are all, you know, groups of people trying to work together towards things. And often the first starting point for collaboration is building that first relationship and which moves into those next relationships. Well, and, and I want people listening to this. I want my students that are listening to this. I, I assign podcasts when we have wonderful interviews and to students in our class and they love getting podcast assignments because reading big books, carrying them around isn't nearly as attractive as plugging in. And so we're learning how to use these in new ways. But when when we talk about prevention, that really is going to be the key to end human trafficking. And what that means is going upstream. And we've talked about children at risk. But this idea of we can coalition to end child abuse and neglect, that's like that's upstream from ending human trafficking. And many of us that feel frustrated with our ability to plug in with the 
hundreds and hundreds of nonprofits fighting human trafficking, there is a way to become involved in your community right where you are to support ending child abuse, which contributes to commercial sexual exploitation of children. So a clear mission is critical. And I'm going to state our We Can Coalition are working to end child abuse and neglect mission one more time to prevent child abuse and neglect and strengthen the health and well-being of children's families and communities. So we have a clear vision as well. All Orange County children are raised in a safe, nurturing environment. And the idea that um, communities are a huge part of this is critical to building um, collectives, effective collectives. So you want to talk to us about the four components that he identified? Of a Be happy to. Collective. Indeed. So uh, the four components are, as you mentioned a moment ago, a clear common purpose, number one. Secondly, com- community engagement and co-production. Third, relationships and trust. And then finally, results and accountability. And that really strikes me as a pretty sensible order to do those things in too. Of, um, you know, one of the things that I often find myself asking Sandy in conversations with the leaders in our like our, our academy community and coaching is we'll start talking about something. It's not clear to me what the outcome is that they want or what they're trying to do. And so we'll often have the conversation of what's the outcome that you want to see happen with this. And I would say about half the time that hasn't been determined or there's not a clarity as what the outcome is. So number one's really key here is a clear common purpose. What exactly are you trying to do? Because that then informs the kinds of organizations you'd seek out, the kinds of relationships you build, who you involve, uh, tactical and strategic decisions along the way. So that that part's really key. And um, it's easy to sometimes... Uh, have that purpose just sound very generic of like, oh, we want to we want to work to end human trafficking. It's a great purpose, and it's our purpose too. But it's not. It it doesn't. It, it's almost too big. It it needs to be something that's more focused than that. In most cases, of how are what are we? Why are we collaborating specifically these organizations together to do that? And so, um, so those, so that that strikes me as really key, Sandy. And then, of course, uh, community engagement and co-production. That sounds to me exactly like the fourth P. The partnership, yeah, it does, doesn't it? It's it's. And we've talk, how many times have we talked about on the show on that of just the importance of we're not going to do this alone. This is a huge issue. It's complex. Uh, it is driven by economic factors and driven by demand, and so um, we need to work together in collaboration. And so it's it's essential that we do that and and be thinking that way. And the we can model with nine different little committees, task forces. Um, there's so much overlap. And in the in the initial conversation, um, I I overheard a couple of guys saying, you know, this would be a lot more streamlined if we just had three community three three committees, and it is more. And this is the my point: it's messy to do this that community engagement piece. It takes a lot of overlap, and um, you have to be comfortable with that messiness. Yeah, but you don't have. The, the overlapping network that's really going to become a safety net unless you are willing to uh, negotiate that. Yeah, and I suspect that's why number three is third uh, after that is relationships and trust. Uh, rapport can come earlier than that, but real relationships and trust take more time and, and are messy. And it 
it may be six months or a year of building collaboration with another organization or another individual before you really begin to develop that. And so it's, um, that's such an important thing. You know, that's a point that, um, I want to ask you another question about how you can navigate some things because we started off with the quote, organizations do not collaborate. People do. But, um, when an organization changes people, then the recommendation here is assume the partnership resets to zero. So how can I um, get up to speed faster when leadership changes happen? Yeah, I think that the I think that that's true uh, in a lot of cases because most most people aren't thinking about succession planning. Um, mm. it, it's the it's the same reason why. Um, and, and this this happens sometimes, Sandy. And I was thinking of the context of sometimes we have like client engagements, or uh, or we'll have uh, we're putting structure around an agreement or how to do something long term, and uh, we always try to do that in writing uh, with whatever organization we're working with. And it's in once in a while I've gotten the feedback of like you know we do we really need to put this in writing. Um, and you know, you, and I suppose the implication there is, uh, well, you trust us, don't you? And, uh, and my response is, has always been, of course I trust you. Um, you may not be here in six months or a year, you know, maybe you'll go on and, and do something new. And so I think that from the beginning, um, the, the way to prevent that, since we're talking about prevention is to assume that roles are going to change, to mm. assume that the person you're collaborating with that you've set up this relationship with is not always going to be there. If they are great, uh, and if you've developed that great that great uh, collaboration, uh, Sandy, how many times have you had this happen to you and in, in partnership with other organizations in California and oh, yeah. the U.S. around the world, where roles have changed, and and sometimes and for good reasons, and sometimes that's a real positive change, but it is a change. And so I think that one of the things that we should be always thinking of uh, from a leadership standpoint is thinking about succession and who else do we involve in those conversations so that it's not just, um, yes, the collaboration starts with individuals, but also other people should be at the table too. Um, you do this with your staff, Sandy, as you bring your staff along to meetings right. and um, and you don't have any plans to go anywhere. But you know, if ever you weren't doing what you do, other people have involvement, have ownership, have uh, relationships that are built. And I think that if we can start a collaboration with that of involving multiple people on both sides of the both organizations and the collaborations and in the committees, like you were talking about, that really then it it makes it easier when those transitions happen to continue moving forward versus starting from the ground level. And and putting things in writing like you were talking about, that's really consistent with this effective collective in, impact model too because he then recommends uh, a results-based accountability framework for your work. And then if you've got that, anybody can pick it up and say, okay, we're counting this, we're doing this. Um, did we finish are we still lacking? Do we have to go back? Where where did we leave off? But if you went and tried to get um, an idea of what we're doing by looking at my, um, somebody looked at my archived emails and they said, "Oh my goodness, I don't I don't know what to do with this." Yeah, because I don't have it organized um, in in a framework where you can identify um, actual 
measurements and impacts. And and even in a case where the parties didn't change, having clear expectations between the organizations is really important. And uh, and having that in there's something about putting something in writing, uh, not for uh, not for um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for the negative word, uh, you know, like a contract or something. Yeah, yeah, not because you're going to try to be punitive with people by any means. Um, I mean, there may be a time and a place for that in in, in an unusual situation, but but just to set expectations of how are we going to, and there's something about putting something in writing and just being really clear that clarifies for both parties and and gets you really thinking of like, what do we want this to look like? What does the relationship look like? So I may be going a little off tangent here, Sandy, but that's what got me thinking about it when you were mentioning that. Well, um, and, and this, this results-based um, accountability framework for us starts with a question like, what are the quality of life conditions we want for the children, adults, and families in our communities? And for, for the committee that I serve on, um, I want to find out what's already happening in my community and where are there projects that are effective, where are the hot spots. We are, when our team met, we identified we want to know where are the hot spots in our community. And there's different ways to partner across the county to find that information. But unless we developed a framework for how to to put that together, um, we could meet and talk. And we all go to meetings and we talk. But if we don't have a way to record our results, um, it's very difficult for us to make progress, um, to connect and find the articulation with the other um, subcommittees. And so this results-based accountability is a key feature of the We Can Coalition. One other question, Sandy, is we can in other places do other in Orange County. Um, how does that work uh, either around the U.S. here or around the world? Well, I think um, that looking at this model, this is, and we'll put a link to this and I'll put some notes in here. Um, you, for our task force, our community prevention, we can coalition. We started with study the issues. That's so consistent. You that can tell why I like huh? this. Yeah. yeah. We started with data collection and we're still in that role. Um, and we have also mapped our community, which is a basic premise of community development. You've heard us talk about that. And then because we know we have limited resources, when we have more information on that data collection, we're going to focus interventions in the high risk areas but we are also at the same time, that's why this, the articulation of, the, of multiple committees is so important. We recognize there are um, tapered resources available to us now. And so engaging with natural occurring community supports, things that are already in existence, like boys and girls clubs, the faith community is a huge component of that. And how are we going to build those relationships and build on existing prevention efforts, family resource centers, neighbors. Uh, You've heard us say, don't start something new until you find out if nobody else is really doing it. You you may be passionate about it, but um, don't start something new because it costs a lot to start something and that actually drains off, siphons off resources. So are you 
willing to engage with other members in your community that are already doing something. And those are some of the keys to strengthening our ability to work to end child abuse and neglect. And we're seeing more and more examples, Sandy, of partnerships happening in the center, uh, the Global Center of Women and Justice. Uh, our work has, has always been focused on those partnerships. Uh, it's exciting to see this coming together too. And I know that we're going to hear so many more examples of great partnerships coming in the future. So uh, thanks for the overview, Sandy. And uh, I'm really excited to learn more about the We Can Coalition. And uh, thank you for listening and for taking time to continue to study the issues, be a voice and help us to make a difference in ending human trafficking. If you have a question that's come out of our show today or a general comment or question that uh, we could address in a future show, uh, go ahead and email us at gcwj at vanguard.edu. That stands for the Global Center for Women and Justice here at Vanguard University. You can also uh, reach us by phone, 714-966-6360. Hey, if you have not before left a rating or review for the show and use iTunes, it's a huge help to us in helping get the word out about the show for helping more people learn about this issue, to study the issues, be a voice and make a difference. So if you have a moment, go on iTunes, search for the show and leave a rating and review. We'd be very grateful. Thanks, Sandy, and see you in two weeks. Thanks.